Hi, this is Amita Switlow. I'm in the Vancouver office and Jamie Deluce just has arrived back from Tajikistan. Jamie, when did you go? Um, I left in February of 2011. Yeah. And I returned in December of 2011. And it was um, your profession? You are a... Uh, psychotherapist. And what made you decide to do an assignment with QSO International? Um, I have um, for many years wanted to do volunteer work, but I had a young family um, and that prevented me from doing so. My children are now grown and I was at a place in my professional career where financially and practically it was easy for me to do that. Okay. So my family is mature and I had enough resources to be away for a year. Okay, so you so you packed you for you went to Ottawa. You did your assessment. Yeah. When when people hear the the country named Tajikistan, what came to your mind when you before you ever went there? Um, I think uh, I knew where it was geographically, and I thought, well, it's it sounds like it's going to be a complicated place, mm -hmm. um, but um, intriguing, um, and so I was interested. Okay, and had you done some work on understanding the Muslim uh, culture because there's Shias, Sunnis, yeah, all kinds yes. of. Yes, and, and I have not done, um, had not done a lot, although I learned a fair bit while I was there. Right. Um, I knew it was primarily a Muslim country, and that was going to have implications on um, women's roles, women's identity, um, clothing. Um, outside activities, all of those things. So I was prepared for a very different lifestyle because of the influence of the Muslim faith. Okay, so when when Jamie when Jamie started packing to go to Tajikistan, what did she take? Well, because I knew it was <laughs> going to be very cold in the winter, and I was going in February, but I also knew it was going to be very hot in the summer. I had to bring a little bit of everything. Okay. So it was complicated packing because. I also then wanted to bring some training materials because no. I was going to be developing a curriculum. So books were also tempting but hard because they weigh so much. They weigh so much, don't yeah. they? Yeah. It's almost like you want to put them all on a memory stick and yeah. take them with you. Um, so did you take any clothing that was to cover up your body, hair and, and yes, such as shawls? I took several scarves. I took almost all long sleeve clothing, um, even clothing that I knew I would wear in the summer was at least covering my wrist mm. um, to try to make sure that I was being respectful of the values about exposure of women. Um, so yeah, and then it was also <laughs> difficult to figure out what shoes because it's not, um, it's not a very developed place and so I knew that there would be dirt and sidewalks that were not actual sidewalks and yeah. gravel and those kind of things. So it was tricky but ended up doing okay, probably overpacked, probably didn't <laughs> need as many things as I took. Okay, so you arrive in this, absolutely, I've seen photos of this place, I've had family members go there as I said. So you arrive in this place, and it's the first time you've been in a Muslim country. Was it one? No, not the first time I've been in a Muslim country. I've traveled extensively in my private life, so I've been to Muslim countries before. But this was going to be the first time I lived in one. Okay. Yeah. So you arrive there. What kind of place do you get to live in? 
Um, I was living in a shared house um, um, that was um, made available to me by my par partner organization, Mercy Corps. Mercy um, Corps. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is based in the U.S. Okay. Um, they had been working in Tajikistan for about five years, doing um, a lot of projects focusing on the reduction of maternal and child mortality. Which is something CEDA is really working on. Yes, here. and CEDA was a part of the sponsor for my little part of project. Okay, so we have all these women in Tajikistan, many having babies. Mm -hmm. Very young. Very young, okay. Yeah. Very young, um, uh, all of them married um, by arrangement, um, their families, mm -hmm. um, meaning that they did not necessarily even know the man that they were married going to be married to. Quite they might not have met before. Yeah. Um, and so, and there was an expectation that people produce um, children very quickly in their married life, mm -hmm. and there was a general societal preference for male children over female children. Okay, this sounds challenging. I can just imagine. So, a young mother is going to have a baby, she's worried, well first she doesn't She's getting to know her f new family and all that. Yeah, she she's she doesn't she at the time of her marriage she no longer lives with her her birth family. She moves in with her husband's family, and that really is her new life and her okay. new family. So she's going to have a baby, and she doesn't know what sex that baby's going to be. So that's going to be a challenge. Mm -hmm. So you are dealing with postnatal depression. Is that yes. what I'm? Yeah, the, the project was focusing on depression after birth okay. um, with women. We knew um, from the physicians that we were training that there is a fairly high incidence of um, maternal suicide um, in the area, and we had done a pre-assessment um, using a depression tool to find out what the risk factor for women in Tajikistan was to develop postpartum depression. And what we discovered was that in North America, we would anticipate 10 to 15 percent of women would be considered at risk. Okay. In Tajikistan, what we discovered was that there were some areas that the risk factor was about 79 percent. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, so quite a bit more. Okay. So we, so you you begin to work with these women, or do you begin to create a program? I created a program um, for the physicians and the midwives and the community leaders and religious leaders in the villages that were identified as at risk on how to intervene when a woman has been identified as at risk for depression or is actively depressed. Because I'm not going to be around. I was only there for a year, so my job was to make sure that what I know about treatment um, was provided to those individuals in the healthcare support system, because there are no psychologists or psychotherapists in Tajikistan, um, that the doctors who were the primary caregivers and the midwives and nurses and religious leaders would know what to do. Okay, so did you find that the, that the methodology that you use here 
could be used there, or were there some major adjustments? There were some major adjustments, but um, again, I used a curriculum partially developed by the World Health Organization. It was developed in Ethiopia um, and Nigeria, but it's never actually been implemented. It's a very large manual, very sophisticated, very in-detailed training procedure, and we did not have adequate funds to translate all of the materials that were developed by WHO, so we had to pick and choose based on the environment, based on the demographics, based on the political situation, the religious situation, what was appropriate. Yeah, yeah. And so we developed a curriculum that was a four-day training program for physicians, uh, midwives and healthcare professionals to teach them the signs and symptoms of depression and two very basic um, therapy psychotherapy techniques to use to provide support to women and women's families. So the training that I had was applicable, but did need to be modified. And all of the materials needed to be translated. Mm. Unfortunately, in Tajikistan, there are at least three languages that are used. Farsi? Uh, Russian, because they were yeah. occupied, um, and many people were not allowed to learn Tajik. Then, when, then when they learned um, they were free, they began to return to their original language, which is Tajik, which is a Persian um, uh, Somewhat like dialect, Farsi, yes. Sort of like Farsi. And then because during the civil war that followed the collapse of the Soviet Union, the boundaries for Tajikistan and some of its neighboring countries like Uzbekistan were um, modified as a result of the civil war. So you had Uzbek people living in Tajikistan and Tajik people living in Uzbek. Uzbekistan. So we had the another language added on. And Uzbekistan people do not understand Tajiks, Tajiks do not understand Uzbek. And if everybody <laughs> spoke Russian, that was good, but not everyone spoke Russian either. Oh, so that's super challenging. Yeah. Um, do you feel, so it was a short assignment actually, you didn't uh, complete the entire ter term because of uh, running out of funds yes. from the support organization. You mentioned that you only covered Two region instead of two regions instead of seven, so you feel like there's more work to be done. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and if so, would you ever would you go back? Oh, for sure. You, yeah. If there if there were funding to do it, certainly my colleagues at Mercy Corps and I discussed that, and we're hoping that there might be some ways for them to expand the project to the remaining five districts. In, and this was just in northern Tajikistan. I'm sure if you went to other parts of Tajikistan, the issues might be similar. Um, so there's there's lots of work that could be done. This project could also be, I'm sure, used in other parts of the world where young women are at risk for depression. Uh, so how did you? So you came home, mm -hmm. and you're back just a short time. Yeah. And your family must be so happy to have you back. Yes, I, I have a daughter who lives in Toronto with her husband, who I visited on my way back from Tajikistan because it was an easier connection. Yes. Um, and I have a son who lives in town who I do see. But I um, immediately moved from here, where, which has been my home prior to leaving for Tajikistan, for a new job in Campbell River. Oh, great. Yeah. I love Campbell River. Yeah, so, so I'm living there for a year doing some contract work for a First Nations band. Oh, nice. We have some return volunteers in Campbell River. Mm -hmm. I'll give you their contacts okay, and you great. can get in touch with them. So, Jamie, thank you so much for the work you did in Tajikistan. And I hope that the women there that uh, 
that the doctors and the physicians and all the healthcare workers that you worked with will be able to um, share their knowledge now with mm -hmm. some wonderful women in Tajikistan. Mm -hmm. Do you feel fulfilled? Um, it was a wonderful experience. It was very challenging sometimes, but it was very worthwhile. My Tajik colleagues were wonderful. The women that we trained, who will now be the implementers of this program, were fabulous women. Um, dedicated, caring, um, bright, uh, motivated, eager learners. Absolutely eager, probably the eagerest learners I've ever worked with. They were so keen to get as much information as they could, which made it a thrill to do. The teaching was really fun. And they're beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, they, they are. They're yeah. just beautiful. Yeah. They're, they're traditional costumes yeah. and, uh, I mean, not costumes, their traditional attire is just absolutely yeah. great. Yeah. So how do you say thank you in Tajik? Uh, do you remember? I'm going to have to remember. I know. They often say merci, eh? don't they? Uh, you know, um, that's not the one I was going to say. Let me see. It's Okay, how do you say hello? So, I know. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Um, Samochi hell. How are you? Uh -huh. No me manje mi deluce. Man rushino. I am a psychologist. Oh, great. Um, Rahmat. So. So more words in yeah. Tajik to learn. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, but it's wonderful to have even learned those words. Yes. And yeah. so again, thank you for You're your welcome. sharing your knowledge in Tajikistan. And for those of you who are thinking of going to Tajikistan, maybe we can put you in touch with Jamie Deluce, and um, maybe you can ask her some more questions in depth about Tajikistan. Great. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you.